0: Hey, welcome to week three of the NFL season. Can you believe it's already week three? Uh, I feel like I'd be driving through Arman a few weeks to go to Arizona for the Super Bowl. But right now, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Cassidy Travel, uh, and also check out the game pass link in our bio. Michael McEoin, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, Mark Cockerell. A special guest to kick off the program tonight. Delighted to be joined uh, by Carmen Vitali. Carmen, it's. I think the last time we had you on the show was when. Uh, it was either when the bucks won the Super Bowl or the season was about to start again, that Cowboys game. It's fantastic to have it back on again. Welcome yeah, in.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Uh there's there's been a job change since then, but ironically enough, I'm going back to Tampa tomorrow to uh check out the bear the Bucks Packers game now, but as a NFC North reporter. So it's from the Packers lens, which is going to be very interesting for me. <laughs>
0: Talk and obviously congratulations on on the new job. It's fantastic. And can can maybe talk to people um, in Ireland, the UK, and Europe especially, and to follow the NFL and every team about your new about your new role.
1: Yeah, um, I work for Fox Sports now, and I cover the NFC North. Fox Sports has now built out kind of this their NFL writers, their NFL dot uh, uh, com content team, and I was lucky enough to get hired to now cover the NFC North. I had moved back to Chicago, left the Bucks. And it just kind of worked out, and they were like, "Hey, you want to go cover the NFC North?" And this is the division that I grew up watching. I lived—I've lived outside Chicago uh, when I was growing up, and that was—I was a Bears fan through and through. And Now I get to call, cover all four of the NFC North teams, and which has really meant the Packers. <laughs> but I was up at Lambeau Field last weekend, and then this weekend I'm going down to Tampa to visit my old friends. But as they take on the uh, the Buccaneers and the Packers. Sunday or on Sunday Fox game of the week it's a big deal really excited
2: yeah certainly um an interesting uh, division Carmen did you when you took the job did you think that um the Detroit Lions would be one of the most exciting offenses in the 2022 <laughs> NFL season to date
1: yeah, no, I can't say that I necessarily called that one. Uh, but I mean, listen, every team in this division is one and one right now. And it's very interesting, though, to see how those those records are received. Right? The Bears are kind of like, oh, well, one and one. You would have told us before the season started that against the 49ers, the Packers, we were gonna be one and one. Nobody would have been sounding the alarm. Now, after as bad of a loss as it was to the Packers, they're a little bit iffy on it. And then the Packers conversely are like, Are you kidding me? We're one and one. Like we should have we should be 2 and out oh going into this game against Tampa, uh, which they're going to need to win because they don't win in Tampa. This is going to be a one and two start for the Green Bay Packers, which is not characteristic of them at all. Uh, Though they they've seemed to drop their first games of the season the last couple of years now, it seems to be tradition, and then they end up being just fine, which doesn't seem to bode well for the uh, for the Buccaneers this week.
3: Uh, Karen, what have you made of Rodgers over the past few weeks? And you know, I suppose it was. It's a mixed opinion when he was trying to encourage the wide receivers to be better in training camp. There's also people who feel that Aaron Rodgers has gone back down the road of being critical on players. It's a bit of a mixed a mixed bag. What's your thoughts on that situation?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that he hasn't been used to the last few years. But at the same time, I mean, the Green Bay Packers were never really known for their receiver core until Devontae Adams got there. And then Devontae Adams just was the receiver core in and of himself. He had 25% of the team's touchdowns last season and and leaving that hole is, it's a big deal. Uh, They don't necessarily have the heir apparent to Devontae Adams on the roster. And you saw that this last game where, you know, after the disaster against the Minnesota Vikings, where they couldn't get absolutely anything going, uh, very, again, uncharacteristic Aaron Rodgers, they said, hey, you know what, we're going to need to pivot. We need to get 28 and 33 the ball. We need to get A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones more involved. You have this running back tandem that's just insane, both of them. And that's exactly what they did. And it's funny because the Bears knew exactly what they were going to do. We all knew exactly what they were going to do. uh, But they didn't necessarily know how that was going to turn out. And I asked Aaron Rodgers after the game. I was like, was that also kind of more to take the pressure off these receivers as you kind of bring them along and get them a little bit more comfortable? And what he said was it really was about the two backs. And then he used it kind of as an opportunity to say that he didn't play well himself, especially in that second half. Uh, And he seems to kind of be coming out of that game despite the win with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And again, I think that spells bad news for the Buccaneers.
4: um carmen you're talking about wide receivers there there are a few quite decent wide receivers in the nfc north two of them happen to reside in minnesota in adam thielen and justin jefferson but yeah. there is a very simple mantra for anyone who has ever even considered placing a bet in their entire lives never bet on the minnesota vikings and i repeat repeat again <laughs> never bet that on the Minnesota bad. vikings um, they are so inconsistent from the the highs yeah. obviously such a great divisional win in week one to a rather insipid performance, or be it a great defensive performance by the Eagles. What's your take on them and how they can go forward from here? As you say, everyone is one and one. So
1: everyone's one and one. The thing is, I mean, after the first week and you know, Minnesota, I think that also speaks to how good Green Bay is and how much Green Bay is kind of revered in this division because Minnesota Vikings fans were just, I think they would have been, they were so happy because they're like, We beat Green Bay. We're gonna, we're going to the Super Bowl because we beat Green Bay in the first game of the season and to their credit though i mean this offense looked unstoppable justin jefferson looked unguardable all that kind of stuff and it all came crashing down against the eagles as far as what they were able to do defensively against the minnesota vikings but i think the other thing that we need to examine too is the fact that the minnesota vikings did themselves no favors on defense either so the fact of the matter is like yes justin jefferson was rendered ineffective by darius slay that was something i don't think anybody was anticipating because you don't think that he could be kind of guarded one-on-one but at the same time, Minnesota was trotting out that two-high cover-two defense uh, the entire game. They did not make any adjustments on, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball. And so the Philadelphia Eagles were able to take advantage of that. I was doing some of the next-gen stats after the game. And Jalen Hurts was 23 of 25 inside 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. Because that is the Minnesota Vikings were leaving that area of the field open the entire game. So it was a credit to the Eagles for taking advantage of what the defense was giving them as far as Minnesota goes, but they're going to need to do some adjustments on that side of ball. And I think it does come with, you know, it's a new coaching staff. It's a new regime in there. They're still kind of figuring things out and, and knowing exactly who they are as a football team. So I think that, you know, the, for the first week kind of gave you a false sense of, oh, they've got everything figured out. No, they, there's no way they have everything figured out. And I don't think this is, this speaks ill of Kevin O'Connell as a play caller. I don't think this speaks ill of even the, the defense. I think they're going to go back and look at that and be like, yeah, no, we need to make some adjustments.
0: I don't want to go too far away from the NFC North Carmen, but from watching the NFC this season, it definitely seems maybe a bit weaker than the AFC obviously because you got the powerhouses and the Bills and the Chiefs for you know to start off with but even has there been one team outside of the NFC North in the NFC that has made you think wow I've been really impressed with them so far because you mentioned the Eagles are like Jalen Hurts the other night like looking at the way that Eagles offense played and the fact that they really just took over in that second half especially without scoring any points which is even more crazier um, their schedule over the next few weeks is
1: Easy, favorable. It's so favorable, easy, favorable.
0: Yes, it's so easy, isn't it? <laughs> I, they, have, they, they should be going six or seven of those, shouldn't it?
1: Oh my gosh! And if they don't, then I think you're going to know that they're really not that great of a team, uh, because they do it. Sec- they have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. The Eagles do, but I mean, that being said, again, I really like what they were able to do against the Vikings because I think that they they were taking what the defense gave them and they were playing to their strengths. I think Nick Sirianni is a really, really good play caller. The way that he kept Minnesota's defense on its heels. Uh, just by changing up the things that, and the looks that he was giving them and the different things, like you never knew what Jalen Hurts was about to do. If he was going to tuck the ball, if he was going to throw it. That offensive line, too, I can't say enough about it. It might be the best in football. They have no real weaknesses on that offensive line. And the entire offense kind of runs through that, especially with how versatile that offense is. Outside of the Eagles, I mean, you got to talk about the other, there's only six 2 0 teams uh, in. The National Football League right now, and one of those teams is weirdly enough the uh, New York Giants. So Brian Dable is doing good things in New York. He's he's dancing to Juicy in the locker room by Biggie Smalls. Uh, he seems to have the buy-in of his players. I don't know how long this necessarily keeps up for the Giants, but I think that you have to give them a little bit of a hats off. They've had little to celebrate these last few years, and uh, it's it's really I mean they're again talk about what, doing what, what's working for them. I don't think Daniel Jones has been particularly impressive. But they're still figuring out and they're eking out these wins and hats off to the New York (laughs) Giants.
2: Uh, Cameron, I suppose week one of the season was billed as revenge week. And, you know, we uh, a- ended up with, um, you know, Pete Carroll uh, enjoying his win uh, over Russell Wilson. And we've seen uh, various Seahawks luminaries kind of basking in that in the past couple of weeks. But obviously this week sees Lovie Smith go back in uh, to to Chicago. Uh, sl- slightly different reception, I imagine uh, Lovie will get. But what are, what are your expectations around the, the, this Texans team and uh, going up against the Bears?
1: Well, I mean, really, Lovey, he brought this team the closest that they've been in my lifetime to a Super Bowl. So he's still very much well liked, I, be- I believe, here in this market uh, amongst Bears fans. They want him to do well. Everyone talks about how majestic his beard is, that white beard against his brown skin. It's just, it's, it's, it is, it's regal. Um, but I mean, that being said, he is 0 2 against the Bears. In his career when he's coached against them so as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the head coach there went 0-2 against them uh that being said Houston owns the all-time series against the Bears they they're 4-1 against the Bears last game that they played in 2020 the Bears completely clobbered them but again there's a lot that's new including a quarterback including a a new regime change here in Chicago and I think that the Bears are very much still trying to figure things out. And, I mean, Justin Fields had 11 pass attempts in the game against the Packers. He's only had 28 pass attempts, I believe, this season. Uh, so he has less pass attempts than, other team, than every other team has completions. So more, every other team has had more completions than he's had pass attempts so far this season. And you need to figure that out with him because you need to know if he can throw the ball. And the Houston Texans kind of present that opportunity because they're letting up the second most yards overall as a defense uh, I believe the sixth most yards overall passing yards overall when I was looking at the stats. So now you have the opportunity. I get, you know, you're playing in a monsoon week one for the bears week two, you ran into the Packers and you just really, they ran 41 offensive plays. That was it because green Bay stayed on the field with those running backs. So now it's like, all right, you have the opportunity. I'm not panicking yet. The fact that Justin Fields hasn't really thrown the ball, but if he doesn't throw the ball against the Texans, I'm going to start the conspiracy theories are going to start like, what do the bears know that we don't about Justin Fields and why aren't they letting him throw the ball? Um, But that being said, Houston's not going to roll over. They're a good team. Lovey Smith always coaches these guys hard. He's a really good coach. The players like playing for him. Both these guys are defensive minded head coaches coming into this game. Uh, Lovey obviously running a very similar system. They, they, They both run four threes. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how that which one wins out. The Texans really aren't doing too bad. I mean, they're one and one, uh, just like the Bears are, and they're coming off a bad loss as well. So both of these teams have a lot to play for.
3: Cameron, I didn't think I'd be asking you questions about Bruce Arians again, but I, I have to <laughs> I have to bring it up. He, he he rocks up on the sideline on Sunday, antagonizing players, and it came out yesterday that he said there wasn't enough seats up in the press box, and he was the yeah. one that had to take the take the uh, the sideline view, <laughs> it's a bit of a strange one. Like Todd Bowles is trying to get it grips with a new, I know it's a new. It's not the new team, but he's the new head coach. And obviously it's his team now. We're we surprised to see him there. Is there a case of undermining the new head coach? I know they won the game, but they haven't got off to the best starts offensively.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. But no, it's not a matter of undermining. That kind of stuff is actually more common than you'd think. So usually Bruce is in a box or in a booth, which is in, in the press box, or he's put in a suite well, the Saints being the division rivals and the difficult kind of team that they are, said, no, we don't have room for you, so you can sit in the press box. If you thought Bruce was bad on the field, you don't want Bruce in the press box, like, full stop. You do not want him around reporters during this game. You do not, like, there is a no cheering policy in the press box. You cannot be loud. You cannot do anything. That is not something that Bruce Arians subscribes to during a football game. So there was really no other option than to put him on the field and usually i mean there's a ton of guys on the bench right and he's not he's no stranger to being on the field him and todd both have a great relationship that was never but yeah i mean like he he's much more hot-headed than todd is todd is very much more level-headed but he was just i think he was a bit of deja vu kind of him being on the sidelines and him yelling his head off and he's screaming at the ref and he's telling mike like look at your boy he, what's he what he's doing to brady and just started the Malik, but he got a very strongly worded letter. um, And I think that that's probably the last you'll see of him on the sidelines. And I think that was going to be the only time you're going to see him on the sidelines anyway. That's kind of what's missing from this narrative is that's not something normal. uh, That was the Saints being difficult, (laughs) quite honestly, um, which they did across the board. Every my trips to New Orleans were never good ones up there. Uh, We like they did not. They made sure every level of the organization was made uncomfortable in that arena. Or in that state, <laughs> so it's it's Bruce being Bruce. Um, I don't believe that Mike Evans should have been suspended for that. I think that there's been a lot more egregious things that have happened that have gone unsuspended. But I do think the fact that this wasn't Mike's first offense when it came to Marshawn Lattimore probably played into all of that. Uh, it's it's but like I, no one's going to be mad at Mike. I mean, yeah, you're missing him for this game, but no one's going to be mad at Mike for coming to the defense of his teammate.
4: Um, Carmen, I, I love the point about not cheering in the press box. That applies even if your double bet on Jaleel and Waddell scoring in Wembley comes up, or scoring in Tottenham comes up, Brian. Uh, <laughs> sitting beside Brian, <laughs> that was an
0: outdoor press box. I mean, it was mud. Regardless.
1: Yes, your press box is so when we when I was over there with the Bucks and I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, I loved it because I felt like I was in the crowd. You guys have. The, the benches or the, the desks, like, within the crowd, it's outdoors. And so I was like, oh, maybe I can get away with a little bit of – because usually I'm literally sitting on my hands. I, I I have no poker face. I can't play it cool. Uh, I'm usually sitting on my hands. I'm actually biting my tongue uh, to keep from cheering and doing things. I stomp my feet a lot. So uh, in in London, it was a lot easier because no one could hear me stomping my feet, and I even let out a little yelps. Okay, uh, but, okay. Yeah.
3: Cameron, I'm glad you're praising the Giants, because I'm a Giants fan, and I will be in the media with the guys in a few weeks' time when we play the Packers, so it's going to be a, a difficult afternoon. If, they, if the Packers play well, on the flip side, if we're playing well, it's still going to be difficult, because I won't be able to cheer. Because
1: you won't be able to cheer, I know, that's, that's the drawback of, of covering these games as sports media, but it means that you get to be there, and you, it, you get to be paid to cover these games, which is pretty yeah. cool too.
4: And, and as well as that, when the Giants play badly, Brian won't be able to swear quite as much as he would like to. Um, but we're talking about that that conflict, that challenge. And I'm really curious about this because, look, we try our best to stay fair and balanced on the show. Like, Colum and Michael do their best to say nice things about the Raiders. Brian mm-hmm. loves saying lovely things about the Cowboys and the Eagles. And, of course... I adore the New York Jets with all my heart and soul. But how do you find it now in a professional context, in your role, being a Chicago native, being a Bears fan, for me, covering all those teams in such a like
1: historic
4: and historically competitive division with all those great rivalries?
1: Yeah, I mean... That's the thing I think I cling to the most, though, is watching this division in its entirety and just having a reverence for the tradition that exists. I mean, this is if you're going to put a, fi- a founding franchise or a founding division label on any of the divisions, it's the NFC North. The teams have been around the longest, uh, they have the most storied rivalries and stuff like that. So it's a little bit easier to kind of grab onto that and, and be a little bit more objective if you're really just kind of focused on the tradition. But it's been an adjustment. I'm not going to lie to you guys just because. When I was with the Buccaneers, I was a team employee. And so I never really had to pretend to be objective. I got to be subjective. I got to be a fan. And I leaned very much into that because, A, the team was just really easy to root for. And B, I mean, I knew these guys. I was in the building with them every day. I had to see them every day, win or lose. And so I wanted them to win. I wanted it made my job so much easier when they won. So it's been a bit of an adjustment for me because my job isn't really made any easier or more difficult depending on how these teams are because I have four teams now that I have to, I have to cover. And I, I just, I think I just kind of pull back and really appreciate the sport in general. Um, and again, just the historic nature of, of this division and then getting to have the context of, you know, growing up and and watching this. I did. I mean, I had a moment when I'd never been to a Bears Packers game before and so this last weekend, it was my first live game for Fox Sports that I got to go to. And it was Bears, Packers and Lambeau. And that literally, I have a bucket list on my uh, phone. I have a notes app and I have all these sporting events on it that I want to go to. And that that was on it. That's been on it since I was little. And so to like go to that, you kind of have a moment and then you got to put your professional face back on and just be like, okay, well, I'm here to cover the game. And then you just kind of dive into the stats and Uh, you, you call on everything you learned in journalism school, (laughs) at least I do. But yeah, no, I mean, I also think though people appreciate some authenticity as well. And, uh, as long as it's not, you know, you're not going after any of these guys personally or whatever and saying, you know, F the Packers or F the lions or whoever it is, like, I'm not going to go so far as to do that. But I mean, I, I inject a little bit more of my fandom, I think in my work, uh, more than most, but I think that that's also what makes me a little bit more relatable.
0: Very, very quick far final round because I know you're really busy. Uh, just last one for me anyway, Carmen. Um, two NFC North teams playing in London over the next two or three weeks. No. Vikings in week four. Packers in week five. Are you going over? Is, is there any plans at the moment to head over? And if not, Fox has got the Super Bowl this year in Arizona so we'll definitely... See you there, maybe.
1: Yeah, you'll see me at the Super Bowl. Uh yeah, no, the the nature. So I, I got the job just what two, two and a half weeks ago now. Um, so there's a lot of logistical things that have to happen in order to make a trip like that. And there was just no time to do that, nor do I know if there was the budget or not. Um, but I am I do have a travel schedule. I'm going up to Green Bay, I think three more times this season, going to Detroit. I'm going to Minnesota, and then I've got the Bears in my backyard. So I'll be bobbing around the division, but no, unfortunately, I don't get, but I do think this is neither here nor there, but I think I will be out there in April. Uh, I'm going to come see my first EPL game. So I'm very excited about that.
2: (laughs) Uh, Very good. Uh, Nice time of the year to to be coming over as well. Karen, I suppose one of the talking points um, in relation to the draft was around who was going to go number one overall and for a long time it looked like Ed Hutchinson was going to be that pick it didn't end up being that way but I think right. the Detroit Lions were very happy that he fell into their laps and my goodness he had quite the performance despite being double teamed uh, at last weekend
1: yeah I actually there was um one of the guys Seth uh he's an ESPN stats and researcher and he always posts his really fun graphs And he just released one today that I commented on because it showed uh, the amount of double teams by, I think, yeah, that was the, what is that, the x-axis and the (laughs) y-axis? I'm not a math person. Um, But it was the amount of double teams versus, like, pass rush success rate or win rate. And Aiden Hutchinson uh, is being double teamed as much as Nick Bosa is, as a rookie. And so... I think you need to keep that in context when you say, oh, well, he didn't win that rep. He didn't win that rep. Well, he's being doubled all the time. And then the fact that he was able to have three sacks, he's taking full advantage. He's very efficient with his wins, apparently. Uh, And I think that he's just, I mean, they're building that entire defense kind of around him. And he kind of makes that whole thing go. But he is absolutely as advertised. I mean, we all saw it on Hard Knocks about how much the coaches love him, about how hard he works. And how they're all like, yeah, he's exactly what, you know, he was advertised as, which doesn't always happen. Um, but he, I mean, he comes from the NFL pedigree. You know, his dad was, he, his dad played and his family is very supportive of him. It's very clear. But I really like him. I, I mean, I th- he's one of the reasons that I think the Lions aren't going to be the Lions this year. But then I also like look on the other side of the ball. Amon St. Brown is really not getting the respect he deserves right now. And he is – I think he leads – he's, like, one of the top, like, leading receivers through, through two weeks at this point. And he's just absolutely crucial to that Detroit Lions offense. And Jared Goff, I mean, having a guy like that has really helped him. I mean, Jared Goff threw for, what, four touchdowns last week? <laughs> um, so I think it's going to be very interesting. They've got some really, really good pieces in Detroit. And I want to – you know, I, I really caution people against making Detroit the butt of their jokes because – I don't think they're going to be a joke this
3: year. Cameron is from the pivotal team in the NFC West. I know it's not your division, but um, no. 49ers have beaten the Packers two of the last three years in the playoffs, and that's been with Jimmy G. And obviously know, so now he's back as quarterback. Your your thoughts on that situation? I think a lot of people this week are, there's a lot of 49ers fans who who are, you know speak to us on our show and feel that this is a better situation for the team as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, after the first game, people were calling for Jimmy G to go back go back in after Trey Lance. I mean, you. You had to give Trey Lance a try. You had to, and you didn't think you were going to get over the hump with Jimmy G, is what all of their actions up until now have showed. Um, keeping him on the team, though, I said this when they, you know, decided to re-sign him, make him the backup, and then put the no-trade clause in there. Although Jimmy G can, Jimmy can like he can request to trade. It's it's him. Uh, they can't trade him without his permission. Uh, But that being said, I was like, I don't think you guys are sold on Trey Lance then. If you want to keep Jimmy on this roster, then you're not sold on Trey. And you're hedging your bets and you're trying to see what he's going to be. And unfortunately, they're not getting that opportunity. So, I mean, it was just kind of a whirlwind of uh, Jimmy, uh, like between like, you know, coming from New England and then coming into the 49ers organization and just the, 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 the events that have happened in his career have been very, very interesting to me, but I don't know. I we'll see because that's I mean, it's still a really good team. Forty Nine are a really good team. Um, and especially in a weekend NFC, they could you could be back in the playoffs. I mean, Jimmy's done it before. It's just it's a very weird situation. I just never thought that they were sold on Trey Lance. <laughs>
4: Um, Jimmy, Jimmy G usually prompts one of my favourite trolls of Packers fans and indeed Saints fans, Carly, if you might be, uh, might be interested in it which is uh, that he does have double the number of Super Bowl rings that either Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees has which yep. is a nice one to flow out there of course yep, as a backup cool. which he was due to be this year um, but speaking of Super Bowl rings, I mean, one thing we love actually, we follow you on Twitter at Kami V and some of the stuff you come out was great. I remember I think it was only the other night, it was like MNF, uh, Monday Night Football Kirk is gonna be Monday Night Football Kirk. Kind of mm-hmm. up the Vikings performance pretty neatly. But talking of Super Bowl rings with yeah. your time in the box, you have a Super Bowl ring. And, I do, it's and- right,
1: it's right here. Yeah, yeah. and
4: you were sharing. Can you drop it down there? And you were sharing a story about someone running into you, seeing you wear your Super Bowl ring the other day. There it is.
1: is. (laughs) Yeah. No, the very so I don't wear this. Clearly, like it go. It's on my shelf. um, You know, when people come over and they want to see it, um, I really, I was. This honestly should be at my parents' house because I was super stoked about it. It has my name on it, which in turn is my dad's name. Because uh, I am not married yet, <laughs> um, but I was really excited for him to have him be able to see something like that. But no, the very first time, and the, pretty much the only time I've ever worn it was week one of the following season when the Bucks were opening as defending champions. We were encouraged to wear them. Um, it was just a, it was one of those things that you don't necessarily think twice about until later on. Uh, and there was a guy on the field, and he, t- I was, I was videoing some of the guys coming out, so I was trying to do my job. <laughs> And he taps me on the shoulder, and he goes, "Is that a Super Bowl ring?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Can I see it?" And I was like, "Sure." And so, like, I showed it to him. He took a picture of it, and he's like, "Uh, "So who's your husband?" And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Well, who's your husband? Whose ring is that?" I was like, "I don't have a husband. This is mine." (laughs) And he would just like kind of looked at me, and uh, he kind of realized his mistake and and whatever. But it was something that's happened, you know, like I. I get it. Like not necessarily. Um, The only thing, the context I want to actually put around that story is that this guy worked for one of the the major networks that was there. I won't call it out, Uh, but he was one of the camera like runners. So he works in the industry. So usually like for fans or anything like that, I get it. Like no one's going to expect, you know, me to have a Super Bowl ring. Um, But I thought, you know, for people that are in the industry, I was like, I expect a little bit better of you. So that's why I, that's why I kind of called him out on it and it went viral. Uh, The whole exchange and a bunch of people picked it up and stuff like that. But um, for the record, everybody in a Super Bowl winning organization gets a ring and it's really cool and you get your name on it. And it is something that, yeah, I will forever treasure and now I get to have and and all that kind of stuff. It's the benefit of working for a team. (laughs) Uh, But now that I'm on the outside, no such luck anymore. But that's okay. I have one. That's all I need.
0: Yeah, I was in I was in Denver for Sunday Night Football in 20. 16 and Robert Kraft came over to us I haven't told I've never told Mark this Robert Kraft came over to us and gave his friend or gave my mate uh, two of his rings he was wearing and actually let him hold and he couldn't believe it it was incredible and yeah like I I never seen that viral exchange The, the one thing I'll say to end tonight's interview Carmen is who's your Premier League team this is interesting
1: um, so I think that you'd probably think it was Man United just because of the fact that I. got
0: be Man United, Carmen, because I'm I'm a Man United fan. <laughs> okay. So. It, uh... <laughs> um,
1: I won't lie to you and tell you that I have an EPL team. I don't. Um, if I had to, I would love to see Man United. Uh, I would love to see Man City. I actually have gotten to meet Cristiano Ronaldo before. Uh, that was like probably the most starstruck I've ever been. Uh, I was working for the. I was an intern for the Dodgers, and he came to a game and uh, had a had a catch with Yasiel Puig, who was a rookie that year, but it was wild. So I followed Ronaldo probably more than anybody else. Um, but no, I'm gonna go over and I'm gonna see Arsenal, Liverpool, um, or Liverpool Arsenal. <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to root for. I don't know if I should
0: just wear black. Just wear black. I'll I'll help you.
4: I'll help you support Arsenal. They're based in London. Historic team. Brilliant. So much like the Bears in terms of the history and the success and, and over time. Actually, we've been more successful than the Bears. but Support Arsenal. You'd be a, a good, good. Stand the there. only,
1: the only caveat to this is the reason I'm also going. Like, uh, my boyfriend is going to be supporting Liverpool because he knows people for that that work either work for Liverpool. I think work for Liverpool, and so that's like kind of his in to this game. Um, but I, that being said, I don't think that he's like sold on Liverpool either. So maybe I'll just I'll wear black. I'll wear black, and. Yeah, I'll 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 blend into the crowd.
4: Before we let you go, though, I mean, I'm sure you haven't done a rubber craft and ever given your Super Bowl ring to someone else, like Michael described. But I'm just wondering, Michael, your friend, did he do a Vladimir Putin? And suggest that he'd been giving it to no. him as a gift
0: he, he actually he actually told me this like a year ago i never knew that happened and i i now know but yeah that, that happened i've got i've got images of him wearing the rings o- on the field and it was it was not now i think about it it was pretty crazy but um carmen seriously though um as somebody that wants to go to see arsenal play at tottenham next saturday in london if anyone's watching this your boy needs two tickets uh, thank you very much carmen <laughs> seriously you're you're one of the original um OGs, one of the original people that's came on this broadcast before it sort of like honestly took off so we we massively um, appreciate your support for coming on then, now and hopefully into the future and obviously massive, massive congratulations and very very best luck for your role with fox we know we'll see you in arizona whether it's a radio row or on the field or brian will be trying to get in outside going carmen can you let me in or something (laughs) will be like that but uh, massively appreciate it carmen thanks so much
1: no anytime guys seriously i love being on with you guys and it's awesome to see all the support and everything for this sport this silly sport uh all the way across the pond so thanks so much for having me i'll be on anytime
0: see you again soon thank you (laughs) Thank you. Uh, that was awesome. Carmen Vitale, uh, previously with the Bucks now with Fox Sports, Give her a follow on Twitter at CarmiV. Carmen, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. And I do need tickets for that game next Saturday. Colm, you're in London next Saturday, aren't you? I am. Uh, okay. I, well if Mark Cockerell is the big wig that he is and the big Arsenal fan I'm sure he'll get us a few tickets i are you just i so very much for up up in the box folks. So I, can't,
4: I can't deal with normal tickets I'm up okay, in the box, no right. sorry mate.
0: Thanks. I, I'll remember that in February F- thanks for the comment folks <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll read them out at the end and uh, just there was a question they're saying what's your Twitter handle Carmen's Twitter handle at Carmi C-A-R-M-I-E-V and this marks the end of the podcast segment because I've been OCD